Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, rockin' America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring my 10-year-old daughter and co-host, Person Noob. Hello! Thank you for greeting the good folks. I appreciate it. What do we have in store for you besides uh, crazy theme song stuff? Well, we're actually going to look at, despite our name far from just America, the best, most intriguing matches, the highest stakes we could find from all over the world. Those are usually top two matches from various countries' top leagues. We'll look at international club tournaments, national team tournaments, anywhere where the stakes are high, whether it's a big country or league or tournament, or perhaps a little bit smaller one from some distant part of the world. If it's important where it's being played, it's probably going to be on our radar. And we like to think that makes us different than any other show you're going to find. We've been called a great change of pace podcast. Thank you for finding us. The matches we're going to cover this week, uh, we always run Friday to Thursday. So that's going to be uh, Friday the 12th through Thursday the 18th. We might be a little bit light on person noob appearances this week as I've got a new regular job and working some odd hours. Hopefully we'll be able to hear her pop in before too long. But at the very least, I do know she'll be helping us with the countdown duties. Always love hearing her lovely voice. So let's get it started, daughter mine, with March number one. No Friday matches were quite bright and shiny enough to make our 10 that we will track. So Saturday match number one, we stay here stateside for a classic matchup out of the USL Championship, the second tier here in the U.S., where they're about two-thirds of the way through the season. The top seven from each of the two conferences will make the playoffs, and the winner of each one will make the quarterfinals. And it's going to be number one, Louisville City, playing house two, second place, Tampa Bay Rowdies over in the Eastern Conference. Right now, Louisville City, they lead them by one. Tampa Bay, in turn, lead Memphis by three. Worth noting that Louisville and Memphis both have a match in hand on Tampa Bay. Not nearly enough to count them out of this title race, but a slight advantage for those two. When the two, these two played earlier in the season, it was the Rowdies coming out on top. 1-0, the series between them has been perfectly even of late as they have both accrued 4-2 and 4 records. You can see this edition on ESPN Plus, 7.30 Eastern Time. And we'll start out talking about the hosts as we always do. In this case, Louisville Racing, a club that was founded in two, 2014. It was after Orlando City uh, moved their USL rights up to Louisville. They now play in the gorgeous Louisville Family Stadium, capacity of 15,000. Admittedly, I've only been to two professional soccer parks in my life. Noob, 
not just a nickname. Yes, it is my life, but I assure you it is quite nice. It's in the very nice revitalized uh, Butchertown neighborhood. And uh, as such, they've been uh, number three in attendance in the league this year, getting uh, over 8,500 people per match. Quite incredible for that level. The team has won two league titles. They were back-to-back in 2017 and 18. The first team to ever go back-to-back in the championship last year. They finished in second place in the East. They got as far as the playoff semifinal. This year, uh, number one offense. They've been getting over two goals per match. Number one defense, only allowing uh, three goals every four matches on average. Absolutely on fire. Uh, Let's talk about the defense tied for second best in terms of clean sheets and goalkeeping is Kyle Morton, who came up with the uh, Philadelphia Union system, actually started his senior career over in England with uh, Reading United. I believe their championship level might be League One. Uh, He did make one senior appearance way back in the day with Houston, but he was primarily a reserve team player. The best player that they have going, though, in my opinion, is Ryan Ownby, their right winger, veteran, 32 years old, eight goals, not quite good enough to get like into the top 10 in the entire league, but pretty close. And then he's got four assists on top of that to boot. He's a very good tackler, so he tracks back on defense or stops on counterattacks. I uh, spent a lot of time with Houston, maybe made as much as many as uh, two dozen a senior appearances there. Uh, Two national team apps uh, back in uh, 2009 through 2011. And the best thing about them, speaking of that Butchertown neighborhood, there is a distillery called Copper and Kings that's part of the area. I just love this part of Louisville uh, where they make both brandy and absinthe. My understanding is actually you can get a tour led by Ryan Ownby on certain days of the week, but you have to book pretty far in advance. Just be sure to call 1-888- not true. Okay, the distillery part was true, but not that Ryan Ownby is actually doing tours there. But that would be cool, wouldn't it? A noob can dream. Teams formed. They are 7-1-0 in their last state, and they have won two straight matches. By the way, when it comes to uh, numbers and stats like that, these are all at the time I scouted it, which was several days ago. That'll be true for the entire show. Tampa Bay, the current iteration of the team, was founded in 2008. Longer time footy fans will, of course, know that the original club played back in the 70s and 80s. The current team owned by the Tampa Bay Rays. That was news to me. They play in St. Petersburg, joined the USL in 2017 after having spent time with the NASL. Uh, They've been the division and conference champions the last two years. Last year, they made the playoff final as well, nearly got to hoist the trophy. So we've got two very strong current powers facing off here. It is no wonder they are number one and two. Uh, This team has a very good offense, but defense is where they're really shining as well. They're only giving up one goal per match. And uh, they've got the second best goal differential in the league. And I think that's a little bit more telling with the matches and hand in play that this really is and will remain a top two team. Uh, Top five in uh, scoring in the league with 12 right now is Leo Fernandez, Brazilian midfielder. He also leads uh, the team with five assists. He was actually raised in New York, but he spent 2013 through 16 with the Philadelphia Union. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last 13 matches and have won seven straight. Visiting or not, they will be tough customers. Match number B. And believe it or not, that is actually our only Saturday match we're going to feature this week is really backloaded into the weekdays. But 
that still leaves us Sunday to cover. And uh, match number B, and by the way, way to go, person noob. You have remembered, even as you start the fifth grade, that yes, 1B345 is the way we count. Number two, it's a bunch of crap, figuratively and literally. Now, what's not so literal is that this is going to be a match preview. Why? Well, because we want to look at the OFC Champions League. That's the Oceania Football Confederation. They have reached uh, or will be reaching their final shortly, but at the time of recording, unfortunately, we're not going to know who the semifinal winners were. So I will simply mention and wish good luck to Venus, a team from Tahiti's League One that we have talked about. Uh, North North Carolina. North Caledonia, they have a team that's even going to be harder for me to say than the name of the uh, league or the country even. High in Gehenne is how I'm going to go with that. They will be facing off to play the winner of Auckland City from New Zealand, and they're definitely your favorites. Uh, And Central Coast, that is a club out of the Solomon Islands. Looking forward to uh, catching teams in the next season, particularly from Caledonia and Solomon Islands. We haven't touched base with them in a good, long time. While match number three, since we don't have any FA Cup qualifying round action this particular week from over in England, I eschewed some slightly, uh, quote unquote, bigger, better matches, end quote, and went looking for some minnow action from around the world in any FA Cups that were going on. And we found a nice one in Australia where they now call their premier knockout tournament simply Australia Cup. That's a change. It's always been identified in the past as the FFA Cup. Uh, This in part goes along with the change that the Football Federation of Australia, FFA, has changed its name to simply Football Australia. Perhaps more importantly, for the first time, the winner of this event is going to get a berth into the AFC Cup, the secondary Asian tournament for clubs. And yes, Australia, they joined uh, the AFC about a year ago. Your matchup. Peninsula Power versus Green Gully. Yeah, kind of fun names. Uh, Peninsula Power, they play from a northern uh, sort of suburb called Radcliffe uh, in the northern Brisbane area. And then Green Gully, they are from Melbourne. And by the way, these two uh, teams are from leagues that are the very top of their state leagues. That makes them tier two overall nationwide. And that's all I'm going to give you for this particular one, because this is the time of podcast that we turn to our 3,500-year-old in-house soothsayer, Noob Stradamus. He of the mighty drug-aided or uh, drug-addled visions, let's be perfectly honest, but we got to put our faith in someone when it comes to this. So why not he of the flowing robes and even a more luxuriously flowing white hair and the really cool shiny red headband. You should see the outfit he has to go with this role. It's great. In any case, let's see if he is smoking some lotus leaf, touching the infinite beyond and ready to give us some insight into this match. Take it away. Almighty Oracle. on it that is the second week in a row that we don't seem to be able to get any kind of uh any kind of signal from the thracian plains of greece can we get him a can somebody get him a flip phone or something look guys he's gonna he's gonna get mad i mean we're gonna 
if he's not going to appear on the show or can't appear on the show, we have no reason to be sending him his loose expired prescription pills, the refreshing Fresca, which is probably really hard to get over in Greece. I don't know why I say that. That's uh, a grapefruit drink. It's refreshing. And he's going to want it. So hopefully we'll be able to touch base with him during the week and have him back next time. Match number four. And now we get to fast forward all the way to Wednesday. I told you we were backloaded. Match number four, a Wednesday match. Our feature one from Major League Soccer, where number three in the West, Dallas, will be taking on number one in the East, Philadelphia Union. Really got to treasure these interconference matches as best we can. Uh, taking a look at Dallas uh, first, they're obviously in excellent shape for the playoffs. They lead number eight, Seattle, by four. And Seattle, at the time I scouted, it was the last or the, the best of the teams not in the playoff picture directly. Uh, meanwhile, Philadelphia Union, uh, they lead number B, NYCFC, by three for that bye to get into the quarterfinals. The series between these two, Dallas, have been really dominant to my surprise, 7-4-2 and two in recent matches. You can catch this edition on ESPN at 9 o'clock Eastern time. Dallas, last year, they finished in 11th in the West. All the Texas teams were Pretty bad. Austin has an excuse being an, uh, being an expansion team. Dallas, not so much so. They have never won the league title, but by the way, they did uh, win the Supporter Shield in 2016. This year, the offense has been a little bit above average, but the defense is where they've really turned things around. They've got the second best in the West in that regard, giving up just over one goal per match. They've got the number three goal differential. I think this is not a fluke with Dallas. We're far enough into the uh, season to stay that. The goal differential metric becomes more and more meaningful every single day. Number six scorer in the league right now playing for them with a dozen goals is Jesus uh, Fireira. He's a forward, 21 years old, leads the team on assists as well with five. He's made 13 national national team appearances in the last year or so. His father, David, by the way, fun fact about him, made 39 appearances for the Colombian national team. Uh, plus, uh, being so young and now that he's of age, I want to congratulate him on the new sponsorship that I under understand that he got. Uh, maybe, who knows, by mentioning it, maybe we can get some money from them. Uh, Jesus Ferreira is now Ferreira is now sponsored by Old English Light. Yeah, Old English Light. For all those great times in life with friends and family where somebody has a backlit refrigerator to make it look like you're in a rap video. Old English Light. There you go. All right. Red hot for the team, by the way. A uh, guy really to look for if you're watching this one on ESPN+. Plus. Edwin Cerillo doesn't get a ton of talk. He's a defensive midfielder, also really young, just 21 years old. Uh, the last two matches that he played at the time that we scouted it, uh, his passing accuracy was just under 90%. That is phenomenal. And then in the very last match, he was getting interceptions, clearances, just a real star on the defensive end of things. And he's created a really big scoring chance each of his last two matches so maybe he can start to uh, catch up for too long with Mr. Old English Light and his five assists in that regard. The team's current form they are 1-1-1 one, one, one in their last three everything low scoring. Goal differential just two versus two and now the Union from the city of brotherly love last year, they finished in second place in the East made the conference semifinals. They too have never won a league title. Uh, they did win the supporter shield back in 2020. Uh, this year, the defense it's good, or I'm sorry, the offense it's good. They're both good, but the defense has been phenomenal. Admittedly, they don't score quite as much in the West as they do in the East, but 
It's still the number one defense, only giving up three quarters of a goal per match on average. And this is the team with the number one goal differential. This match is going to be incredible. Uh, they've got a guy on the scoring leaderboard for the league with whom I was not familiar with pre- previously. He's got 11, and that is Daniel Gazdag out of Hungary, probably means I'm mispronouncing his name, plays midfielder for them. Uh, he spent basically uh, his first eight years, more or less, of senior play with Hanved, one of the kind of sort of okay Hungarian teams before moving over here to the States. And he's also made 11 national team appearances for his home country since 2019. But the guy everybody's been talking about and that a lot of people are still stunned that he hasn't been uh, sold and made a move. It'll be really, I think, surprising if he's with the union all the way through the end of the season. Number three on assists in the league with 11 is Kai Wagner, their German left back who really likes to get forward, play a bit more like a midfielder. Uh, He's got in just over 100 senior team appearances with Philadelphia, came up with Augsburg back home. Uh, There are a ton of teams interested in him from all over Europe. The most recent one that I've read the most about seems to be Leeds United over in the Premier League. And then you can't talk about Philly without talking about their stalwart goalkeeper from Jamaica, Andre Blank. Been there his entire career. He's tied for second best in the league in clean sheets right now with 10. And uh, a cool fun fact I found out about him is he's got a really neat name for his bar. It's called Blake's Kickout. Uh, Blake's Kickout Sports Bar that's back in his home country of Jamaica in the city of May Penn. That's a bucket list one for me. I want to get there both to Jamaica and to Maypen and to that bar. They're all in the bucket. Why not? As far as the team's current form, they just had a five-match win streak ended at Cincinnati, of all places, who have been having quite the surprising season themselves. Match number five. We remain on Wednesday, and we head over to Asia for a match from the AFC Cup. Yeah, that tournament we mentioned earlier, the secondary international club tournament in Asia. I love it because it's a little bit different than like the Copa Sudamericana or the Europa League in that uh, the top handful of leagues won't send any teams to it. And then probably the bottom, at least 40% of all the leagues within Asia, all the smaller countries, their champions will not go to the champions league where they would get probably blown out by anybody higher than them. They get to go to this event. The match we're going to look at is going to be the central Asia zonal final. The winners are going to get to play Eastern sports club already waiting for them out of Hong Kong in the interzonal semifinal. Here's that's a lot of gobbledygook. The interzonal semifinal is the quarterfinals. So think of this as a round of 16 match, even though there aren't 16 teams actually left alive. Best part is that the event winners are going to qualify for the AFC Champions League next year. They'll get to start it at least as far as the playoff round. Your matchup FC Kujand from Tajikistan versus Zagdiana Jizak out of Uzbekistan. Getting our stands action in today. FC Kujand. That city, same name, is the second biggest one in Tajikistan. has a little bit under 200,000 people, but it is one of the oldest Central Asian cities that there is. You can date them easily all the way back to their 250 years as part of the Persian Empire, and they were a big uh, crossing stop on the Silk Road way back when. The city is located, by the way, in the northwest part of the country, right up near the uh, border with Uzbekistan and uh, Kyrgyzstan. 
The league that this team comes out of, called the Higher League in English, is rated number 13 in Asia. This team has never won the league title. They do have, though, five FA Cup titles, and they are the defending champions. They are 5-5-9 all-time in this particular event. They qualified, by the way, not through league play, but by being the FA Cup winners last year, although they did finish in second place in their league. But officially, the FA Cup trophy is what got them in. Uh, the stage before this was group stage. They only had to play two matches, and they won Group F going 1-1-0. 2022 league season, they're only in seventh place right now. They're in danger of missing the cutoff when the league splits into two of getting to play in the champions round versus the relegation round where they are right now. They're about halfway through that first stage of their regular season. The problem has been offense. They're scoring less than a goal per match, and that is worst in the league, but They're playing small ball, a little bit surprising for a team looking to uh, grow on their uh, recent success in the FA Cups. So their defense ranks as uh, a top four. They're also giving up less than a goal per match. The 2021 season, they had one of the best offenses in the league, scoring over two goals per match. So that's quite a shift for them. Uh, On the scoring leaderboard for them this year with only uh, two goals so far, like I said, they're only halfway through the first stage is uh, Jahangir Irgashev, their striker, who has also made 35 national team appearances for Tajikistan since 2013. So if you manage to find an internet uh, feed of this one, and why not, uh, this would be the guy to look for. And now Sogdiana Gizak, or simply uh, Sogdiana is what they were just simply known as all the way up till this year. Uh, Sogda, that part of their name is based on, is an ancient Iranian civilization. And then the city that they actually play out of is called Gizak. It's in the far east central part of their country, a little bit under 200,000. Big oasis there. And so this was another stop on the old Silk Road. I love their crest, by the way. They've got a howling mountain wolf in the foreground on the crest and a a gorgeous kind of sketch depiction of, I believe, three mountains in the background. It's just lovely. And finally for them, happy 50th birthday. The club turns 50 this year. Noob would have gotten you something, but we're not making enough money from the podcast. Hopefully Old English Light is going to fix that. Anyway, this is their first international uh, tournament appearance of any kind, whether it be the modern AFC Cup or Champions League, or any even uh, past iterations of these tournaments. They've never been to any of them. Uh, They have had a little bit of success in the past. I found all the way back in 1979, they won the Zone 5 Central Asia USSR Second League, which basically in terms of Russian football was Division 3. Last year, they finished in second place, as I mentioned, and that's the best that they've done ever in the modern Super League era for them. By the way, that league, the Uzbek Super League, has really been climbing of late. They are all the way up to number four in the Asian coefficient. So they're going to get, I think, starting next year, none of their teams will go to the AFC Cup. They'll all get, they'll send at least two to the Champions League. And by the way, this team did qualify by finishing in second place last year. In the group stage, they had to play three matches, won a perfect 3-0-0 with an 8-3 goal differential. On the event scoring leaderboard with three already is uh, Josser Hazanoff, their 39-year-old attacking midfielder. They are relying on some veteran experience. Uh, He was born in the former Soviet Union, and he's got 53 national team 
caps here between 2003 and 2016. He's retired from that sort of international play, though. In terms of their 2022 league, they're about halfway through the season. They're currently just in fifth place. Uh, Effectively, I think that they're probably going to finish in third. Uh, They only trailed the number one team by two points, so there's a real log jam up there. Uh, They're very well balanced. they got the top four offense, top five defense. They give up just over a goal per match. Uh, League leading scorer is there, or he's tied for it anyway with seven goals, is Shukruz Norkinov, who plays forward for them. A recap of last week's matches from the show. Kitty Cats ask for it by name, so they shall have what they want since they are so well-trained. Match number one from last week was a Saturday match that was played to a 1-1 draw between number seven, Portland, and number four, Dallas. That moved Dallas up to three. Uh, Want to point out that the player of the match was the Dallas goalie who we mentioned on the show, Martin Pace. He had four saves, including one of the penalty kick to help preserve that draw. Match number B was the USL League Two, a fourth tier leagues championship match between Ventura County Fusion and Long Island Rough Riders and it was the Fusion coming out on top 2-1 congratulations on the trophy match number three another tier four league had their final as well here in the states the NPSL with Motown and uh, FC and Crossfire Redmond getting into an absolute shootout uh, the boys out of Morristown, New Jersey, won 4-3. to three. Congratulations to Motown as well. Match number four from the English FA Cup extra preliminary round. We're starting at the very beginning. The two league or, or tier nine teams, AFC Uckfeld Town and Midhurst and Eastbourne from the same league. And it was the visitors winning 1-4. to four. Congratulations to Midhurst on advancing. Match number five from the Paraguayan Premier Division where they're in their Clausura stage. We had a top two matchup. Number one, Sarah Porteño hosting Nacional. They only managed a nil-nil draw. No change in the table there. Sunday match number six from the Dominican Republic, Liga Mayor. Uh, the top two teams played here in the sort of the second stage of the season. Atletico Pantoja uh, played host to second best right now, Cibao. And basically Pantoja had run away with the second stage title. They won 3-1 and now lead by a bunch. That knocked Cibao all the way down to fourth place. Match number seven from Brazil's top flight to Serie A. We had number seven, Atletico MG, just barely on the outside looking in when it comes to a Copa Libertadores berth, taking on number four at Atletico Paranaense, they're trying to hang on to a top four spot and get to start in the group stage of the Copa Libertadores next year. It looks like the latter are the ones that will be more likely to get their way. Paranaense won two to three. They got the winner in the 96th minute. No change in the table for them at that time. Wednesday, match number eight from the AFC Cup. We had Vitel out of Vietnam versus Kuala Lumpur City out of Malaysia. And they played to a nil-nil draw in their regular and extra time. And then the Malaysians from Kuala Lumpur, they won 5-6. to six. Congratulations to you as well for advancing. Match number nine from Nisa. Uh, not a final, but uh, we had the top two teams from each of the two conferences playing one another. Almost certainly going to be a uh, playoff preview here with number one out of the East Chattanooga FC. They played host to number one in the West Cal United Strikers. As good as Chattanooga is, United Strikers have just been mauling everybody. They did manage to win, if not quite by a mauling. They won nil one. And then Thursday, match number 10, rounding out our regular ones we tracked, was a 
leg number two of the, uh, whoops. The second leg, I should say, of a two-legged time. My daughter would, would uh, beat me about the bare shoulder with wire cat coat hanger for that. Let me try it again. From the Copa Libertadores, the quarterfinal. The second leg of the home and away two-legged time. That's how we should say that. Estudiantes out of Argentina, playing host to team we already talked about once, Atletico, Piranha Ense. And once again, the Brazilians I won. Piranha Ense won nil one, and they got their goal once again, the winner at the 96th minute. They like to really leave things till the end. And then your three bonus matches with explanations coming later. Your route of the week came out of the Irste, Diva CA, from Suriname, where number one Inter uh, Mango Topo uh, took on number 12 SNL. And uh, SNL can get them on the board against this team, but they gave up seven. The final was seven to three. Ouch. Nice job on picking that one, everybody who uh, voted in our polls to be the route of the week match. Our most meaningless match in the world came from the Kanselainen Liga. Yeah, that's the women's top flight in Sweden. Number five, PK35 Helsinki took on number four, Åland United. And it was the visitors winning 1-3. Uh, one of our USA connections from All United got a goal, Sarah Tricoli. And then for PK35 Helsinki, that we said to look for, uh, Miss uh, Emilia Kupsanen had a goal. And then finally, from the match of disappointment, we stayed in Finland, went to the men's side of the ball, the Vikosliga, number 11, Lati, took on very last place, number 12, HIFK. And quite appropriately, they played to a nil-nil draw. That concludes last week's matches recap. Now let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. This is one of the ones I've been looking most forward to, not only talking about, but actually watching it when it's going to come on. We're headed back closer to home, just south of our border. Liga MX is having a classic top two matchup. By the way, they're in the Apertura or opening stage right now, and they're a little bit more than a third of the way through is all, but they only play a single round robin. So everything, it seems like, is a little bit higher stakes, particularly even early in the season in Mexico. Now, the top 12 teams make the playoffs. That change happened just within the last couple of years. Not just the last or the top eight. The top four will get to go through all the way to the quarterfinals right out of the gate, though. You can catch this on Unamas or TUDN at 8 o'clock Eastern time here in the U.S. Talking about number one, Toluca, and number B, Monterey. Toluca lead them by just one. Monterey, they lead number five, Nacoxa, by four. That, of course, is the top team that is not in a position to get a bye come the time for the playoffs. Things have been fairly even between these two in recent years. Monterey have a slight edge with a 10, 8, and 8 record, but we'll talk about the Red Devils of Toluca first. They haven't won any kind of domestic title since 2010. Uh, in the last stage, which was the Clausura stage of the 2021-22 season, they finished all the way down in 15th, so something changed. And uh, it's probably in the offensive side because they have the second best offense in the league going, going uh, scoring one and three quarters goals per match. Um They've got the, they're only tied for number 10 on defense, which sounds really, really lousy. But Liga MX, at least this particular stage, is not all that high scoring. They only give up a goal per match. So everything is incredibly tight nearly across the board in that particular category. They've got the second best overall goal differential. So don't let uh, the numerical defensive stat throw you. 
On the scoring leaderboard with three already is Leonardo Fernandez from Uruguay, plays attacking midfielder. He's also second best in the league in assists with four. Uh, he just recently became a permanent signing for this team after he had been on here previously on loan from uh, Tigres, I believe it was. But the really red-hot player for them has been on the defensive side, Andres Mosquera, and we're always trying to meet new players here. Uh, Colombian right back. Uh, who's got a goal and an assist in his last few matches. They're starting to move him forward up some. He spent his last five years with Leon. And uh, finally, player-wise, we do have a USA connection, Sebastian Saucedo, uh, one of their wingers. He's from the San Fernando Valley in California, and he is a former player for Real Salt Lake. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last five. Looking to put an end to that, though, is the Steamroller, one of the many nicknames for the club out of Monterey. 2021-22 Clausura stage, they finished just in seventh place and fell out of the first round of the playoffs. They have won the domestic title five different times, most recently, 2019 Clausura stage. This year, well, just like their opponents today in Toluca, their offense and defense look very much the same. They've got the number one offense, scoring almost 2.5 per match, and that's the reason that they are easily my favorite to win this particular league, since everybody else seems pretty even on defense. To that end, this is one of the teams that Toluca is tied with on defense down in 10th place in that regard. This team, because of their offense, does have the number one overall goal differential. Helping to keep that there, tied for second best in league scoring. One of their superstars of the league, uh, Rogelio Funes Mori. He's an Argentinian forward. He's been here since 2015. I'm hoping someday we have a really good reason to uh, figure out which team his brother is with. He's got a twin that plays over in Saudi Arabia, and we cover football from everywhere. Uh, number one in assists in the league, Alfonso Gonzalez, another one of their midfielders. And I love his full name. It is Arturo Alfonso Gonzalez Gonzalez. And no, I did not hiccup or have a stuttering problem there. He's actually got, uh, he is twice the Gonzalez as anybody else you've probably ever met. Uh, tied for second best in goalkeeping, by the way, three clean sheets already, is Luis uh, Cardenas, and he has been here his entire career. Team's current form, 5-1-0, and oh, undefeated in their last six. Match number seven. Four matches to go in our main ten. We're to number seven, and we are already flipping the calendar page to Thursday, the last day of this show's Soccer Week. We have got a bunch of good ones. From the AFC Champions League, they have reached the round of 16, and two Japanese League One teams are going to be facing off in Vissel Kobe, and they are playing uh, Yokohama F. Marinos, and they're going to be playing this over in uh, Saitama of the greater Tokyo area, which I'm told by my producer who knows such things is essentially the uh, the Jersey Shore of the Tokyo area. So there's another bucket list. I want to go there. I want to move there. I want to live there and do that gym tan sushi kind of life. The series between these two in recent years has been all Yokohama. 16-6-5 is the record they've accrued. And they won when they played earlier in the league this season, 2-0 at their place. But we will talk about Kobe first. They've got one of the more intriguing, if simple, mascots out there. They are known as the Ushi. The cows. Yeah, why not? Kobe beef makes sense to me. Just realize that. Uh, they qualified for this event by finishing in third place in the 2021 J League season. And they had to enter at the playoff round because of that. They played in the 2020 Champions League as the 2019 
Emperor's Cups winners. That was the last time they got in before this. They got all the way to the semifinal. I believe that's the best they've ever done in international competition. In the group stage that preceded this, they won Group J by just one point uh, over uh, Kitchi out of Hong Kong uh, with very impressive 10 against three goal differential. Here in the 2022 league season, they're in last place. What is the deal with that? We saw the same thing a couple episodes ago with Fortaleza over in Brazil, still being alive in the knockout stage of the Copa Libertadores, but in the relegation zone in their league. And uh, the, the problem is, I mean, the problems are everything, but the problem is really offense. They're not managing even a uh, goal per match. They've got the third worst goal differential in the league. Things are really tight at the bottom in the J League. Uh, I think that they're going to finish in the bottom two and get relegated, though. I don't think they're even going to climb into third to last and have a chance to play for that relegation playoff. Let's talk about key player, though. They've got one to look for. Their best is Andres Iniesta. This is a whatever happened to segment. Should I say it's brought to us by Old English Light? See if I can get double the money. I don't really have any other joke for it. Uh, he's from Spain, attacking midfielder, 38 years old. He, of course made his name at Barcelona, playing there for about 16 seasons this century. Uh, this year, he's been an okay-ish passer, solid dribbler, but that qualifies him as pretty much being the best on this team. Uh, he made over 131 national team appearances, uh, but I believe he retired from uh, national team play in 2018. Team's current form, they have lost four straight across all competitions, only managed one goal, but have given up seven Looking to eat all that soup. Yokohama F. Marinos. I think that they're going to run away with this one. Uh, they are the longest tenured club in Division One, by the way, in Japan. They've been there since 1982. And they're a team, I didn't realize uh, this, that is part of the City Football Group that owns uh, Manchester City and uh, NYCFC and has majority stakes in several other teams around the world. They've only got 20% of this one, though, but it still makes them very Yankees-ish and a little hard to root for, quite frankly, at least for me. Uh, they've made five Champions League appearances since 2001. Their last appearance was in 2020. They made the round of 16, and that's the best they've ever done. Uh, they qualified for this year's edition of the tournament by finishing in second place in last year's J1 League. And then in this event, they won Group H by one point over Jean-Buc Hyundai with a 9-3 goal differential. This year in league play, they are in first place. They lead Kashiwa Raisal by six points. They are enjoying their time in the Champions League and have decided already, hey, maybe we should do this again next year. They've got the number one offense in that league by far, scoring over two goals per match. That is largely due to one of their imports, Brazilian Leo uh, Seara, he is a forward. Uh, he's got 10 goals on the season, and he's one of three players for the team that is in the top 10 in assists as well. So they get a lot of their production from all over the field. The best player I think they have going, though, is one that was new to me by name until I was doing my research, Ryuta Koike. He is their right back. Three goals, two assists, Despite uh, playing a traditionally defensive position, he's not very tall, so he's not good at getting those headers uh, headers on offense or defense, but he makes a ton of interceptions and clearances. This is a guy who is using his speed. That's how he gets up so fast to help on the offensive end. Team's current form, they were running away with this league, but they have lost three straight. Could they be vulnerable even here in the Champions League against Vissel Kobe? Hard to say, but I will note this. 
two of those uh, two of those losses were in the League Cup, which is like the tertiary tournament going on over in Japan. So they may not have been playing anything but reserves in those. Match number eight. Let's earn some extra frequent flyer miles on Jet Set. Back here to CONCACAF land. Not quite to home, but pretty close. We're headed to Central America for a match out of the CONCACAF League, where they're in the round of 16. This match is going to be the first one of a two-legged home-and-away tie between Municipal out of Guatemala and Olympia out of Honduras. A quick reminder that this is not the CONCACAF Champions League, but rather a feeder tournament for it. I believe that the top six finishers from this event, which is almost exclusively Central American teams and Caribbean teams, will all get to move on to the Champions League. But this is the time of show where Noob starts referring to himself in the third person because he's getting so darn hungry. So let us take a culture break and learn a little bit about a tradition Guatemalan in honor of them hosting the first match recipe. We're going to look for something called Cacique, which is a Mayan stew. I love the name. It's kind of cool but creepy. Uh, it means red or blood red, and it's... Uh, it's made this way kind of an homage to the ritual sacrifices uh, that used to be made back in Mayan culture, and it is a sign of rebirth as well. Also, uh, the turkey that you're traditionally going to use for this, the breed is called Champipe, and uh, turkeys are not exactly common down there. So both then and even now, particularly in some rural areas, if you've got turkeys and a lot of them, that is still a sign of wealth. So let's take a look at the recipe, see if it seems uh, how appetizing it is to make caquique de pavo. The ingredients you're going to want for this turkey soup include a tomato, tomatillos, which is a husk tomato I recently learned, broth of course, a lot of different chilies, but uh, the most traditional one might be the cobanero chile, uh, garlic, mint, cilantro, cinnamon, cloves, tomato, uh, onion, red peppers, a chiles guaque, a chile pasa, and acciote. Now, to start preparing this, you're going to cut the turkey into serving-sized pieces. In Guatemala, you almost always use drumsticks, and in fact, when it's prepared, it's pretty traditional uh, to leave one in there at least sideways and kind of sticking out of the broth or just sticking straight up if you made it thick enough. Uh, you want to use the dark meat, use your white meat for something else from this turkey, whether it's champipe or something else. This breed's dark meat gives you a very rich, full flavor. Not that you can't use the white meat, but they recommend the dark. Now. Add enough stock to cover the turkey and the garlic, cilantro, and some salt. Bring to a boil. Takes about 45 minutes to get that turkey tender typically. And then you're going to remove and uh, then keep in reserve the garlic and cilantro. Meanwhile, you're going to be charring the tomato and the tomatillos. By the way, some of these vegetables have husks. If you're really making this in a Guatemalan traditional way, do not do that with the tomatillos. The husks are poisonous. I don't think it's lethal, but you will get sick. And you're going to char the onion and the sweet pepper. Then you remove that and set it aside. Uh, in Guatemala, by the way, the pan roasting is almost always done in a comal, which is a uh, occasionally metal, but usually a uh, clay griddle. But you can use a dry skillet as a good substitute. Now, you're going to char the dried chili pasa and the chili guaque together in the same pan until they're fragrant, but you're not going to burn them. Don't do this one as long. So not literally charred, just the name of the process. Remove the seeds and the stems, and then you're going to soak the roasted chilies in a half cup of warm broth until they get nice and soft. 
Now, one of the things, if you're looking up your own uh, recipe for this, if you ever decide to make it, uh, you'll see pictures where the whole onion is in there and you'll even see pieces of the peel. That's uh, not at all uncommon, both with this recipe and a lot of stuff in Guatemala in general. When you're using fruit or vegetable, it's very common to leave the peelings in. Uh, in addition to reducing food waste, it enhances the flavor of the dish. And also, don't skimp on the onions because they add to the red color of the sauce. Really make that full. Now, you're going to trim the pan-roasted vegetables of stems and combine them with the soaked chili pasa and chili guaca in a food processor. Add a cup of turkey stock, that cilantro that you kept in reserve, as well as the garlic, but only use about half of it to get rid of the rest. Unless you're a real garlic fan like my wife, she would use all of it. Process it until it's smooth and velvety, then you add your acciote, cinnamon, dried cloves, salt, that cobanero chili we mentioned earlier, and then process it again. Uh, blend all the vegetables and the spices until it is smooth. Add the puree to turkey broth and simmer until the soup is really thick, almost what you would consider a stew here in America, and then add a little bit more salt or pepper if you want. And definitely to be traditional, do not skimp, sprinkle on the mint and or cilantro. Now, obviously I know that was a lot to remember, but hopefully you've got all these uh, visions and flavors sort of dancing around in your head. And who knows, maybe someday you will feel adventure enough, adventurous enough to try making it yourself. Or, if you live in a big enough metro, probably easier to just go ahead and get it at a Guatemalan restaurant. Match number nine. Let's get in a couple of matches from the women's side of things before we call the week all said and done. Head over to Europe first, where they're starting the Champions League, the first round. Now, all the teams except for 13 that have qualified for the event are starting here in the first round. They've divvied them up into groups of four for a little bracketed tournament for each of them, and only the winners will get to go on to the second round. There will be nine qualified teams waiting there for them from last year's league play, and then four of the teams are going to get to enter at the group stage. The match we're going to take a look at is Fortuna Hjoring. Uh, they're out of Denmark, and they are taking on Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, the winner will either get Ajax or Christian Stads DFF out of Sweden. We'll take a look at Fortuna first. They, by the way, are hosting this particular foursome, so there's no home and away ties or anything like that. Bracketed, knockout, single leg tournament, and all the teams are playing there in Denmark. Best this team has ever done internationally? Well, they finished in second place in the Champions League back in 2002-2003. They've also qualified for all 11 of the iterations of the modern Champions League under its current format. They qualified for this year's event, by finishing in second place in the Danish Women's League last year, which, by the way, is the sixth-ranked league in all of Europe. Pretty good. Last year, uh, they had the uh, second-best offense scoring, scoring two goals per match. Pretty good defense to go with it. On offense, they had really leaned on number three league scorer Emma Snurley. She had 13, plays midfielder or played past tense midfielder for midfielder for them because she has moved over to West Ham now in England. So the gal they're really going to be leaning on for their goals last year. She was in the top five in scoring for the league with 11. That was Olivia Holt. Uh, she's very young, 21 years old midfielder, but she's got a few national team appearances under her belt. So this is a girl who is not completely a bereft of experience. She'll be able to help them out. 
But boy, they're going to have a tough time, home or not, with Frankfurt. Uh, They play out of the second toughest women's league in all of Europe, the Frauen Bundesliga. Uh, They qualified for this event by finishing in third place last year in that. The team has won four Champions League titles in the past. Most recent one was 2014-15. The next year, uh, they finished in the semifinals and then just sort of disappeared. They haven't qualified since until this year, in large part thanks to their 24-year-old forward. Uh, she was in the top five in league scoring last year and is still with them. Good to note, I've now learned. Laura Freigang. Uh, she played her college ball at Penn State, interestingly enough. I don't think she's got any other ties to the U.S. And she's also made 14 national team appearances for her team since 2020. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. One more time to Asia we go for a match from the Women's Club Championship. We're starting in 2024. You will start to hear as the Champions League. But since 2019 through this year, and then they'll do it again next year, they're playing what they're terming pilot tournaments, very small groups of teams sort of building up the organization, getting getting ready to make it a much larger event. Uh, The seven teams are going to be divided into two groups, the three from the east and the four from the west. Each will play a single round robin against the teams in their group. The winners will advance to the final. Uh, The teams that we're going to look at, they brag that, by the way, they've got seven of the best teams from all over Asia. I'm not sure necessarily that's really true, but I'm sure that these are probably the best teams from their leagues. Example, we've got the host team, BGC Asian Scholars out of Thailand, and they will be playing ISPE out of Myanmar. Uh, The Asian Scholars play out of the Thai Women's League, which was founded in 2009. It is considered semi-professional, and they haven't played that many years even. The league didn't meet for some reason between 2013 and 16. This particular team plays out of the city of Khan Kane, one of the big four cities in the Isan, or northeast region of the country, has about 115,000 people. They finished the 2022 season certainly in first place as they went 14-0-0 with an absolutely cartoonish 49-1 goal differential. But interestingly, and who knows, maybe it's a brand new club, but that was their first ever title. Pretty cool. And then ISPE out of Myanmar. That acronym stands for Institute of Science and Physical Education. Uh, They play out of a league called uh, the, no, I'm sorry, they play out of an area called the Mandalay Division. You would think by the name it was perhaps a league. That is the central province in the country. Uh, Myanmar won their league. I believe most recently that was in 2018-19. The league isn't much older than that. They've only been playing ball since 2016. That's about all I've got on these two teams, which I know isn't much, but it is so exciting that we're moving towards an Asian Women's Champions League. We really want to get the whole world built up so that we have more great matches to look for from everywhere. Bring forth the bonus matches! Thank you so much to everybody who participates in the polls, by the way. How can you participate if you haven't been? Well, my handle on Twitter is SoccerNoobUSA. In the beginning of every week, I put up polls with the various candidate matches that uh, match up with the criteria for each of these very unique bonus games. The first one that you have gotten to elect is a first versus last place matchup that we dramatically call the... Route, route, route route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. 
And we're headed to a third division league here in the States called MLS Next Pro. They're really, Major League Soccer is really starting to do some battle with USL. There's already, they've already got USL one that's in the third tier, but Major League Soccer has now started its own third tier league starting this year that is essentially all reserve teams, except for the team out of Rochester. They're about three quarters of the way through the season. The top four from each of the two conferences, East and West, will get to go to the playoffs. Your matchup, well, this is going to be kind of fun. This is the Hell is Real Kitty Edition. No, not kitty like kitty cat, the management. Come on, kitty like a kiddie pool. K-I-D-D-I-E. Get it together, man. In any case, it is number 10 from the East, last place, Cincinnati 2, taking on number one in the East, Columbus Crew 2, the Cruisers. Uh, Columbus currently lead two different teams by 11. They are running away with the regular season title. Cincinnati, well, they're just grateful that there's no relegation. They trailed number nine, Orlando City 2, by four points. When the two played in Columbus earlier this season, by the way, the Crew won 4-0, quite handily. Now, Cincinnati, I'm a little bit surprised, but I guess they're trying to preserve the pitch. They do not play in Cincinnati. They're, they play in the greater Cincinnati area. They're at NKU Stadium in Highland Heights, Kentucky, Northern Kentucky University. Uh, I don't know much about the players, but I did find something really cool about the coach. They're coached by a gentleman named Tyrone Marshall. He is a, for, a former professional defender who started his college career at Lindsey Wilson in Columbia, Kentucky. Uh, my wife is family, I believe, who has gone there. Uh, this is an NAIA school. This is maybe the equivalent to uh, the NCAA's Division Three, probably non-scholarship. Then he went on to uh, Florida International University. His pro career, well, he spent the biggest stretch of it with the LA Galaxy in the early to mid-2000s. And he earned 83 nationally, national team caps with Jamaica. As far as the team, they've got the worst offense in the league, We've got the worst defense in the league. It's so bad it makes their offense look good. They score, uh, they get scored upon almost 2.5 times per match on average. They've got the worst goal differential by about two times the norm. Uh, teams current form, eh, they're 1 1 and 1 in their last three, making a little progress. Uh, let's see. The middle one, actually, this is something cool they do for this league. The middle one of those was not truly a draw. They don't have draws uh, in this particular league. If you get to penalty kicks and you win, you get two points, and then uh, the loser still gets one point. So they got four points in that stretch. Anyway, it's pretty cool. Now, talking about Columbus, tied for number one in offense, scoring over two goals per match, and the defense is really what sparks them, though. They're the only team in the league allowing less than a goal per match on average. And they've got the best goal differential by over a factor of 50%. The number one scorer in the league is there, Sabosov, and Jason Russell Rowe. Full name, another cool one. It's no Gonzalez Gonzalez, but Jason Rex Orlando Russell Rowe, and the Russell Rowe is hyphenated. Uh, he's Canadian, forward, just 19 years old. And I hope he's got broad shoulders to get all those names on the back of his jersey. Wow. He came up with the Toronto system. This team, uh, their current form, 2-1-0 in their last three, and they just beat number BNYCFC at home 3-0. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> yeah.
What other podcast has the heart to shine a light on two teams from some league that are perfectly equidistant from the glory that would or could be, but won't be international bursts, you know, finishing up near the top and the relegation zone. They're not in danger of going anywhere, or at least not finishing in last place in this case, because they don't have relegation in this particular league. The matchup that you voted on is most meaningless. This is a Wednesday match. We're back in Major League Soccer. Number 11, Vancouver Whitecaps playing host to number 10, Colorado Rapids. Uh, right now, Colorado lead uh, Vancouver by 10 on goal differentials. These teams are just about dead even. Uh, the two of them, they trailed number seven, Portland, by three points. So they're not that far out of the playoff in that regard, but there's a lot of team to leapfrogs too, and they've only got a third of the season left. The series between these two, uh, Colorado have had the better of it, uh, scoring 11 wins and six draws to just nine losses. You can catch this at 10 p.m. ESPN Plus if your meaningless little heart desires, as my surely will. Vancouver, I uh, I love uh, running into this. I always forget their mascot is a belted kingfisher, which I think is a sort of a bird that helps them keep other pests out. I think they congregate around the top of the stadium. In any case, last year they finished in sixth place in the West and went out of the playoffs in the first round. 2015, they finished second best in the West. That's the best they've ever done. This year, uh, the offense is where they're really struggling. They're in second to last place in that regard. Not that the defense is much better. They're giving up over a goal and a half per match. We won't talk about their best players or even their worst players. We're just going to go after the most meaningless or middling player for them. Statistically, a guy we'd like to get more out of, but the team certainly doesn't want to see him blackslide either. Delbert Colcedo. Has anybody ever talked about you on a podcast? He is their Colombian striker, just 22 years old. Uh, he's not playing for them right now, so he's particularly meaningless. He got hurt back in July. Might be back around October. I'd be mildly surprised if they brought him back, unless the team somehow makes a run towards the playoffs. Uh, before he got hurt, he had a goal and two assists and 16 appearances. Not really enough for a striker, uh, but he's a good passer and a good tackler. Uh, basically, he's got to get uh, more shots on goal, whether he's creating his own or getting more balls, uh, you know, up to him because he's only had four on the season. Teams current form, they are two, one and zero oh in their last three. And how's this for being meaningless? Not so much so. They won the FA Cup up in Canada this year, the Canadian Championship. So no matter how bad they're doing in this particular league or how meaninglessly they're doing, they will be headed to the CONCACAF Champions League next year, representing Canada. And now Colorado. Last year, they finished in first place in the West, made it as far as the conference semifinals in the playoffs. They've actually won the title once before. That was in 2010. Uh, this year, the offense above average, one and a half goals per match, but the defense just a little bit worse than that. So they've got a negative goal differential, but just barely. Their mm, or most meaningless player is Jonathan Lewis, in my opinion, left winger. Four goals, two assists, not great. Not all-time worse, though, but he's really lousy, at least statistically, with his crossing passes. In fact, he's only a so-so passer overall. Uh, he's a poor tackler. He probably should have some more goals. He, he's missed eight big chances, as that stat is called, and he's really not any kind of help defensively, so they've just got to get a little bit more out of him to maybe move this team up away from meaninglessness. Team's current form, 2-1-0 in their last three, with a very meaningless 10 against 9 goal differential. And here at last, we come to the true end of our podcast road, match number 13 appropriately, because these are not teams we will want to celebrate. You'll find out soon enough. 
Welcome to the sadness and madness that is the match of Disappointed! Yes, and the one that you voted for is a Sunday match. We're not done with Asia. We're heading over to K-League 1, South Korea's top flight. Almost hesitate to use the word top. This is the number three rated AFC ranked league. No thanks to these two putrid teams. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season there. Now, the top three would get to go to the Champions League. These two won't get a sniff of it. This is more what their uh, groundwork looks like. Uh, The worst team will get automatically relegated. The next two will have to fight for their top flight lives in a relegation playoff match. And your matchup, number 11, Suwon Blue Wings, a team we're used to seeing at the top, quite frankly, or nearish the top at least, uh, playing host to number 12, Songnam FC. Uh, The Blue Wings currently lead them by sixth. They trail number nine, Daegu. That's their point of, uh, that's their target. Their point of safety by three points. They've already played twice this season. They play a triple round robin. Uh, The Blue Wings won 1-0 at their place the first time. Sangnam only managed a 2-2 draw on their turf. The series between these two looks more like a match of disappointed sort of set of numbers. 11 wins, 11 draws, 11 losses for each of them. We'll talk about the Blue Wings first. Not much good to say about them to start out because they have a team slogan every year, a couple of years. And this year their slogan is, we are the best. I don't even have a joke there other than to say, uh, no, you're not. Or do you know what best means? Uh, (laughs) I found some, I I looked up some other words that have best in there. Maybe you guys are more like, uh, you're the most, uh, we are the acerbest, the most sour and icky. They are the drabbest. They are the dumbest. I don't know if that's fair or not, but there you go. Uh, Let's see, four league titles. Most recent one they won was back in 2008. They've even won the Champions League twice. It would really be something if they went down. Uh, It's been a couple decades there, 2000, 2001, and then the next season they won it back to back. 2020, they were also there in the Champions League, made the quarterfinals by virtue of having won the previous year's South Korean FA Cup. Last year, middle of the league, they finished in sixth place. Uh, This year, Worst offense going, one of the worst I've ever seen from any top-flight domestic league team. They only get uh, three goals every four games on average. Uh, The defense is a little closer to average. It's only good for the number overall 11 goal differential. Unfortunately, they really are going to be looking at potentially going down. And rather than look for good players, hey, this is the match of disappointing. Let's look for their statistically worst starters. Worst one they've got going is a guy who quite simply is so long in the tooth that he should have hung up his old cleats long since. 39-year-old midfielder Ki-Hun Yom. No goals, no assists, not a particularly accurate passer, and yet, looking at that percentage, that might be his best statistic. He's been here with the club since 2010, so they've had plenty of time to see this decline coming. Uh The whole time that he's been there, he's played for them, except for two years they had the sense to be rid of him, and they sent him down on loan to a Division II club. They probably wish he was there right now again. Team's current form, they're 1-1-1 in their last three. They just got whooped by their inner-city rival, Suwon FC, 4-2 in a road match. And now, Song Nam, very interesting history for them. They were founded by uh, Sung Myung Moon, who uh, people of my generation at least will remember from the Moonies, the Unification Church, which always seemed very, very strange. But the club is no longer part of, uh, he's, you know, is no longer affiliated with him or that organization. In uh, 2014, the city government actually bought the team. Since then, they have been nicknamed the Magpies, not particularly intimidating. Uh, 
They have won seven league titles, but their halcyon days seem to be long behind them. That was in 2006. They've also won two Champions League titles, 2010. Well, you get a lot of, uh, maybe not in a single year, a couple of years, but it seems like every decade you can count on eventually seeing quite a bit of parity from this particular league. I kind of like that. Just don't like this team. Last year, they finished in 10th place. Uh, This year, the defense is where they're particularly struggling. Worst defense by far, giving almost uh, giving up almost two goals per match. Got the worst goal differential in the league by almost uh, by almost a factor of two. This is the team that is definitely going down. I don't think there's anything that they can do to save themselves. Worst player they have going is this the case so often for so many teams is in the goalkeeping position and uh, just like their counterparts today the problem is the got a guy is probably just a little bit too old to be getting it done at this level. Young Kwang Kim is 39. He's only managed three clean sheets in 22 appearances. So this is a guy that seems to be still starting for him. Uh, just like the club, his Alcyon days uh, long behind him. He actually did earn a handful of national team caps, played for them once every year or so from 2003 to 2013. He's actually spent most of his career even outside of the top flight. Uh, the team he spent the longest stretch or stretches with was Seoul Eland FC down in K-League 2. Now, here's the one bit of light for them. Team form, they've actually won two stray matches. Credit where it's due. Or they had one, but then they lost 1-4 to four at home to number 10 Gim Chun Sangmu. That sounds more like the Song Nam that we know but do not love. And to that end, we will not wish either of these teams luck as we say goodbye to all of them, but rather whisk them away in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. boo. Thank you to Statler and Waldorf up in the Muppet balcony for sending us off in just the right way. This has been episode 96 of Soccer Noob, Rockin' America featuring Person Noob. Thank you also to the management for all of his production and editing wizardry to Dan, the interno inferno for his continued efforts and inspirations to of course, my daughter and to you most of all for listening. Thank you so much. You're the reason we do that. We hope you're enjoying exploring all things soccer and otherwise from all around the world. I'm still really hungry for that stew. I wonder if I can talk my wife into picking some of those ingredients up at the store. If we can find Chompipe, that would even be great. Until next time, we hope you'll you'll tune in again. Have yourselves a fabulous footy week, everybody. Take care.